Welcome to Enroute to Success, where we have raw, vulnerable conversations between Fitz DeSanto, Sam Boyer, and many talented individuals, unraveling the truths and principles of people's experiences, methods to grow, and discovering how to live a fulfilling lifestyle. Buckle up, the journey begins now. Hey, 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 you guys. I am here with my co-host, Sam. Sam, how are you? It's, I'm doing well, as usual. How about yourself? I am good. Welcome, guys. Welcome to our podcast. So super excited today. And we are here with a good friend from a fitness industry who I built an awesome friendship with. His name is Jason. I want to introduce Jason as the director of Cigna Commercial Markets, Behavioral Center of Excellence and Sales Operations. It's a long title, Jason, which is good though. It is. <laughs> a licensed <laughs> professional counselor. And Jason has been with Cigna for 18 years, building team of behavioral clinical consultation to Cigna clients and producer partners. He's here to spread some awareness of behavioral well-being, prevalence of mental health, and really the main thing is resiliency. So Jason, without further ado, welcome. Thank you for joining us and having the time to come to our podcast. No problem. Thank you for having me, uh, Fitz. It's great to be here with you. Um, Sam, uh, great to be here with you as well. Likewise. I'm so excited. So as you know, Jason is our avid listener to our podcast, which thank you, Jason. We always start of uh, an introduction, you know, just a high overview of a profile of, of yourself and where you're from. And then also possibly career overview and your career progression and your current role with Cigna and how you are, to, what you do today. Yeah, sure. And feel free to jump in at any time. But um, I am a licensed professional counselor, which means I have a master's degree in psychology and then an independent license to practice. And um, I will tell you to start that part of our um, discussion. I never intended to be a licensed professional counselor, to be a therapist ever in my lifetime. Uh, never thought about it until I was in college. Um, I wanted to be a doctor for about the first semester. And then um, I met organic chemistry and realized I probably was not cut out to be a physician. Um, so then I changed my major to be um, uh, physical therapy. And um, I loved physical therapy work. I did uh, that for two years, the academic uh, work related to that. And then I did an internship uh, after my uh, junior year. And uh, I went to a hospital and the doors opened on that first day and um, I walked into the physical therapy unit and I realized I had made a horrible, horrible mistake and wasted the last three years of my very expensive college career preparing to go into physical therapy school. And so, um, yeah, that was a that was a bit of an interesting time. I actually ended up working throughout the summer uh, with an individual uh, who was had a really Pretty sad story. He had a young guy had fallen down, had become paralyzed from the waist down, not doing so well. And throughout the course of that summer, uh, formed a relationship with him. And while he would never walk again, um, he really made some progress as far as his mood and, and things like that. And I was just fascinated at the end of the summer when I was wrapping that up, the physical therapist that I worked for met with me and essentially just said, um, we don't... This guy is improving. His family reports his mood is better. He's taking care of himself. What did you do that was different? And I realized, you know, while I did his exercises with him, was actually having the relationship and him having someone to tell his story to and talk to about what happened 
that made his life a little bit better. And I thought that was fascinating. So I went back to school. I changed my major. I went on to get my master's degree in psychology. And I worked as a therapist for a little while before I came um, to Cigna. Wow. I have a lot of things I wrote down already, Jason. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Let's go. Get ready. I guess I wanted to unpack that a little bit with being, you said you wanted to be a, a doctor and why the transition and along with that, with the physical therapy, how, what made you realize that it was a, it was a mistake. So it's a twofold question, like <laughs> transition to that. Yeah. And it's something that yeah. I kind of want to just hear. I'm curious to learn because I've known you for a while now and Dr. Youngblood sounds really good, but, um, <laughs> but I want to know like what, what happened there. Can, can you walk us through your thought process? Yeah. So I grew up in a really small town in the Appalachian mountains uh, of Pennsylvania. And I would say I wanted to be a doctor because where I grew up, there was a lot of agriculture, a lot of industry. Um, and then there were the only profession or the professional professions that I was exposed to were educators and medical. And so I thought for me, it really was less of an interest at that point in my life and being a physician rather than just being professional and pursuing a professional career. And not that there was anything wrong with anything else that I had been exposed to. I just, I knew that's the direction I wanted to go to. And, um, you know, I think it's very difficult being exposed to so, so little uh, by ninth or 10th or 11th grade to try to pick out what you want to do for the rest of your life. I would say I still don't know exactly what it is that I want to do when I grow up. And so I think what changed for me when the door of the unit opened, it smelled like a hospital. There were people who were ill. Um, I had imagined physical therapy was working with athletes, uh, helping them with their injuries. And I saw a lot of things um, that was just not really what I was cut out for. Uh, let's just say I'm a little squeamish. And I knew just inside that I had made a bit of a mistake. Um, but, you know, I think that was probably, I, I just remember that day and, and the sights and the smells as one of the points in my life of like that moment was meant to happen because I think for me, it was the universe pointing me in the direction that I was really supposed to go. And it really was an amazing experience that I had um, during that summer. And um, yeah, I, I look back on that time and that, that mistake um, and that experience with a lot of um, positive feelings. That's amazing. I mean, I just wrote down here, smelly things. So um, like just <laughs> <laughs> the vivid details like that you yeah, like Well, like hospitals, like hospitals, you know, like hospitals, they have certain smells and certain sounds and bells and, you know, all of that. And uh, it was just very, very overwhelming for me at, at that time. Just a kind of a message for me, like I'm not meant to spend the rest of my life here. Yeah. So I went back, changed my major to psychology. I took every 400 class that I could, 400 level class in psychology that I could to graduate with a secondary uh, emphasis in psychology and uh, went on to graduate school. Did you want to be a doctor when you were young as a kid? You know what I wanted to be when I was young? This is far off topic. Um, no, let's do that's it. Okay. Let's go. I wanted to be a school bus driver. That's what I wanted to be when really? I was very young. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, I wanted to be a school bus driver. Yeah. Well, I think you are in that field. It's just in a different caliber. Right? <laughs> so like in the service and public relations. So that was really, that's really good. And I never knew that about you, Jason. That's, that's good. I mean, the reason I asked is because when I was a kid, I wanted to be a nurse and I had an opposite experience from you. 
for me, the hospital is like a field trip for me. Like I love being in the hospital for some weird, I know I was a weird kid. Whenever I would go to hospital, I would just, I love it. I would go there. It was like a field trip, you know? So I kind of knew, but as I get older, I kind of noticed that, mm, no, not really. You know, it's actually really yeah. scary here, you know? So that's yeah. why the reason I asked, but all right, I'm, I'm going to stop. Boyer, do you have any thought? Or... Yeah, two things. Well, one, I like you went from driving school buses to driving organizations. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I, I think that's interesting because remind me, you said how far were you into your degree when you decided to switch? How far? In was I it? was three years in, three years in. So three years in and wow. still then had that decision to make. Like what, I guess, was it that? clear that you're like this is absolutely the wrong path or were you just that driven to take the other path where you're like i put three years in and now i'm still mm -hmm. gonna switch like because i think a lot of people struggle with that in college and to your point of like how do you decide what to do for the rest of your life <laughs> most of us still don't mm -hmm. know that answer i guess in a lot of ways but you know how did you make that decision at that point in your life and feel like i guess good about it and still obviously you know stick to it yeah yeah, I mean, talk about life crisis at the age of like 20 or 21 and feeling that everything you had worked to towards this point was maybe a mistake. And college was very expensive. I was the first person in my family to go to college. I had to borrow a lot of money. I, you know, I, that was a very difficult time in my life. I feel bad for young kids. I have a, a kid of my own who's getting ready for college and she doesn't know what she wants to do yet either. So I, I think it is very difficult. But I will say, you know, while that experience was difficult for me, having that relationship and understanding that while I could do physical activities and physical therapy with this individual for the rest of his life, and he's likely to make little physical progress. But having a relationship since the first time, since his life altering accident, uh, and this was an individual who uh, had been coming into physical therapy, who was so depressed. He lived with his parents. He wasn't eating. He wasn't sleeping. He wasn't bathing. Um, he was very, you know, just not in a good place mentally um, and spending time like that realization and having the physical therapist point out to me, you know what? The relationship itself was a transformative factor. And so to that point in my uh, college career, I love biology. I love cellular biology. I love physiology. I love anatomy. I love everything about the human body and how it works. That opened my eyes to the fact that relationships are just as important as all of that. And so I think at the end of that summer, I was filled with such a mission. I excitedly went back in to the registrar's office. We used to have to go into the office to pick classes. I went in, I saw my advisors, I changed direction, and I never looked back. I never looked back. I, I, knew, I knew that I was headed uh, very strongly uh, in the direction that I needed to go. So I, I did change and I never looked back. I love that. That's so powerful because, I mean, a lot of people will finish off a degree and then regret it and then, you know, look back and be like, oh, I wish I could have made a change. So I just wanted to highlight that for, for people that I, it's never like too late to make those zigs and zags in life to, to kind of alter where you're going. So that's why I wanted to highlight it. So thank you for, for going a little deeper. Yeah. Especially for people that have finished their degree and not applying it to their actual job right now. Right. So that's really, that was really powerful, Jason. And I, I like that. And to be quite honest, while you were talking, I recognized that I think you actually went for the better because it's when you say relationship matters, it's something that I could tell 
really means a lot to you. And that decision was solid. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I uh, went on to get my master's degree in psychology and um, had to pursue a license. And uh, that requires years of work experience and passing exams and all of that good stuff. Early in my career, I worked in a lot of substance use disorder um, counseling work. Um, I did a lot of dual diagnosis work. I worked at hospitals. Again, I ended up in a hospital after not wanting to be in a hospital. <laughs> I never loved it. Never loved it, even though, um, you know, I, I did it for a, a little while. I did community mental health. I did individual family couples therapy. I worked um, at a needle exchange program in Baltimore City where Uh, People were recruited um, off of the street who were coming in to exchange their needles and offer treatment, and they were taken and dropped off at clinics. And so I worked at that program for a while. And so I've had a lot of uh, experience uh, early in my career. And then, um, you know, I really enjoyed it. The thing that I love about individual counseling is that no two appointments in any given day are ever the same appointment. So no two days are the same. No two people are the same. And so even though they might have common challenges like depression or anxiety or substance use disorder, uh, working with people is never the exact same. And so I think I, I love that, but um, I'm a very hyper person and a little anxious. Um, I have a hard time sitting still. And literally, it was hard to sit down for eight, nine, 10 hours a day um, just listening Um, The other thing I will say in that period of my life, I realized I had people coming in who were significantly anxious or very depressed. And let's just take the anxious person. Um, I'm a very anxious person myself. They would come in for their 7 p.m. appointment and they complain about overwhelming anxiety. They complain about inability to sleep, but they had like a big gulp of Mountain Dew with them. And so, you know, I would ask them like, hey, Maybe you shouldn't drink the Mountain Dew as late as 7 p.m. if you want to sleep. And I really became clear that people didn't understand how to use their body to help manage what was going on with their mind. um, And that what they put into their body was just as important to help them manage their well-being. And so at that point in my career, I did pursue personal training certification, not to ever do um, personal training, but to actually just be better at helping my clients understand that link between the mind and the body and whether it's a mood disorder, whether it's recovery from substance use, anxiety, depression, no matter what it is, you know, the relationship is important. The treatment plan is important, but what you eat, what you drink and how you uh, take care of your body is as equal uh, of importance for your, for your outcome. And so that truly is like my area of personal passion um, regarding mind body. And I've carried that with me into my work at Cigna as well. I'm glad that you took that certification because that's how we met in the fitness world. So thank you. Right, for right. that. <laughs> um, yeah. I was going to say, I mean, it's a great segue. Thank you for that story, Jason. It's a great segue to actually really learn what your current role with Cigna this time. But thank you. Yeah, that. yeah. So I came to Cigna 18 years ago. And again, like, I feel like a lot of my career is like by accident, right? So um, I was just tired of working like late at night. And I had my wife had our first child. So there was a company up the road from me that was hiring and it was an 830 to five job. It required a clinical license. And I was like, all right, I'll try it out. It would have been a raise. So I applied and I thought at that point in my career, 
managed care organizations um, from the perspective of clinicians weren't necessarily that well uh, respected. So I thought, you know, I'm going to go try this. I'm going to learn about this industry and I'm going to stay there for about three years and I'm going to learn as much as I can. And then I'm going to come back out and work in um, work in private practice or whatever it may be. And much to my surprise, um, I have loved the mission of Cigna um, since I have joined to improve the health and well-being of people. It really resonates very strongly with my own personal mission statement for my career. Um, and it has been a place where I started working in like a, an operation center, answering the phones, leading a team that answered crisis calls 24-7, 365, helping people get connected to care all across the country. But one of the things that was different about me was that I always love to talk about what I do. And so our local sales team would bring clients in. And so I always raised my hand to get off of the phone and go talk to people who were purchasing our, our benefits. And um, I took every opportunity to do that. Um, I love to talk about what I do. And um, I was approached by the sales team about 10 years ago to say, hey, we want you to come work for us. And I just remember that call and very clearly said, no, thank you. No, thank you. I'm a <laughs> clinician. I'm not a salesperson. Um, I'm in a clinical organization. Um, but uh, the individual that was recruiting me, I still work for today, very convincing. And she's like, I just want you to hear me out. And so um, very persuasive, I ended up taking this, the biggest risk of my career and leaving the comfort and protection of a clinical organization and going to work for a sales organization. And so my job at that time was supporting employee assistance program products. And um, what I found out is that when I went out and I was talking to our clients, so companies that purchase benefits, I would, they needed to know, they didn't understand the basics about behavioral health and mental health, substance use, depression, anxiety. I did a lot of teaching and then I, I would hear their challenges and I would consult with them on ways that they could tackle those challenges from an organizational perspective. And the demand for that really exploded. And so, um, like I tell my younger daughter, um, who's like, dad, you're a therapist. You don't see people. You travel when you used to travel, and now you sit in your office and you take phone calls all day, every day. What does a therapist who doesn't see people do? I say, well, I don't see people. I see companies. And she was like, Dad, do companies need counseling? Um, yes, they absolutely do. <laughs> and so I will tell, and I said this for the past few years, I think I've got the best job um, of all of the thousands and thousands of jobs at Cigna Healthcare. I have the best job. Um, I lead a team national that does this nationally, um, and we are out there helping employer groups navigate behavioral health and well-being to drive behavioral well-being in their populations of employees. And so we do a lot of education, a lot of consulting, and we bring a lot of solutions in those organizations. But the thing about companies, they're just like people. Sure. No two companies are the same. They're all unique. They all have unique challenges. And it is fascinating. It's fascinating. So um, I really do love, love what I do. I am just nodding my head here. Honestly, it's really mind-blowing listening to you, Jason, as far as I'm fascinated by your story. And also, I want to highlight that that salesperson that convinced you, good for her. And she's a good salesperson. <laughs> Because now you're driving this organization. And I have to say that I probably had the same expression when I first was offered a sales position because it's been stigmatized being like this pressure people, like, like our job is to pressure people to prove ourselves that they have to buy the products or the service. It really makes me feel better that 
I know it's like, I think my whole mission in life is that like to make sure that not everyone is like that, you know, in relates to yeah. the sales and business development, because the, re- the relationship really matters. So I wanted to ask, did you have a good teacher growing up? I did a handful of good teachers. Oh, I still keep in touch with one from high school. Yeah. Really? What, who, what's the name? <laughs> um, her name is uh, Miss Petruski. Uh, and we still exchange Christmas cards and notes every single year. Mm. The reason I ask is because I could tell how you love teaching and I'm sure Miss Petruska mm-hmm. is an awesome teacher. And really, yeah. I think you've, you've caught that from her. And also, you know, I mean, I, I understand family and, and everything is a good teacher, but it's that one teacher that actually makes yeah. friends with you that you would say, like, when I ask you that really pop in your head right away. Right. So it's something that a lot of your clinicians would say, or company that you you work with, if they ask, if they get asked who's their good teacher, I'm sure they're gonna say Jason Youngblood. So that's that's a good Aww. that's a good um it's a good legacy, I would say too. Anyways, Boyer, do you have any thoughts on that? Sorry, I was just so excited with the sales thing. <laughs> no, you're good. I saw, the, I saw the light bulb go off, so I didn't want to interrupt. But <laughs> yeah, the what I think was really cool listening to you share, Jason, was. The one how you said like your career has kind of developed and almost like happened on accident, but it's mm-hmm. taken you at least up to this point, two, if not three, like major risk type situations like you shared to get to that space and kind of going out on faith that this person saw something in you in terms of getting into sales. And now it's just really compounded in such a way that now you love what you do and you can help so many people. I just think that's so interesting. And it seems like it's the perfect fit for you because you've almost made those decisions almost off of a feeling and correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like you kind of lean into, does this feel right or not? Not so much the, the hardcore analytical logic behind the decision that I, I can fall into. I know a lot of people do, but I just want to know when you were deciding whether or not to make that shift and kind of go into sales and someone's leading you that direction. Was it mostly like a feeling that you were like, this just, feels right? Or, or how did you kind of go through that? You know, as a clinician, you're always weighing the risks and benefits of things. Uh, and I tell my kids, uh, for the, your listeners who have kids, I, as I talk, talk to my teenage daughter, I'm like, listen, I'm a risk manager for our household and for you. That's My job is to be a risk manager. Um, and so uh, I break that down for her like that. So while I always do weigh the risks and benefits of things personally, you're spot on, Sam, um, in that there really is a gut feeling or an instinct that comes along um, that I think I, I rely on that, call it intuition, whatever it may be, signs from the universe, prayers, whatever it may be, however people like to think about it. Yeah, absolutely. It is there and it is a uh, 50-50, I would say, from risk, uh, risk analysis to like, what does my gut say is the right thing to do here for sure. That's super neat. Yeah, just a, it's a really healthy balance too. I like that 50-50. <laughs> All right, guys, that was our first part with Jason Youngblood. Look out for the second episode and or part two because we're going to be talking about why employer groups should care about behavioral well-being. And also we're going to jump into our main topic, which is resilience. So look out for it and we'll see you guys soon.